Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. Thank you, Father. We thank you for this morning, God. We thank you for your spirit that is here right now, Lord. And I just pray that as we open up your word, Father, that your truth and your life will continue to resonate through this place, through our hearts. We thank you, Father, for all that you're doing and all that you're saying. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, go ahead and take a seat. Hope you guys are doing well. You guys all right? Great. Hey, we're going to hop into the message here this morning. And uh, I'm just going to catch you up quickly. We've got a lot of ground to cover today. Um, the last several weeks, if you were with us, we have kicked off this year in a, this brand new series called uh, Devoted. And what we're doing is we're looking at the devotions of Acts 2.42. And it's an amazing picture, really, when we immerse ourselves into the story of what it looks like when the newly formed uh, Church of Jesus Christ um, is empowered by the Spirit. It's amazing to see what happens. And we, we read early on in Acts 2 how, how, how the Spirit of God comes upon these men and women. They come out of the upper room. Uh, Peter basically preaches this knockout sermon, this home run, um, where it says the Spirit of God cuts into the hearts of uh, the people that were listening. And uh, after he spoke, he gave an invitation. It says 3,000 people came to the number that day. In a single day, 3,000 people came to, into their fold, into this, in this new church, this new community of God. And uh, as you can imagine, when 3,000 people add to your number, that, that causes some problems when you think about how to how do we do this? What are we supposed to do? We have no how-to books. We have no manuals. We have no map here. This is all kind of uncharted territory. Uh, but I love that because the very next verse, this is 3,000 people were added to their, their number that day. And then Acts 2.42, it says this, and they devoted themselves to, right? Dot, dot, dot. And what it gives us a picture is, when, when the, the Spirit of God fell on these people, people were giving their hearts to Jesus. There was natural responses. There were natural inclinations that were surfacing in their behaviors, their attitudes, their, their rhythms, their traditions. And it says they devoted themselves to. And, and so that's what we've been looking at the last few weeks. We started off um, talking about the apostles' teaching and what it looks like to be devoted to the story of God in Scripture and to give ourselves to to not just the written word, but the, the living word through the written word, uh, which is Jesus. And so uh, we, we took a look at that. Uh, we've, we've looked at prayer and what it looks like to be a people of prayer and just the wild idea that God makes himself vulnerable to us through prayer. And that to me is just still a ridiculous idea that God um, uh, not only delights in the fact that we we come to him but he allows his heart to be moved by the men and women of God who carry his image um, to partner with his for co-creating on this earth 
I encourage you guys to go listen to those talks. Um, but I'm going to read this passage. We're going to uh, uh, we're going to continue on with the devotion series, Acts two forty two through forty seven. Could you read with me? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many w- wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And then I just, I loved what this passage encapsulates, encapsulates because you can see that they're just trying to keep up with the pace of God. Isn't that an awesome feeling? Can you imagine that when your whole life you're just trying to keep up with the work and the activity of God? Isn't that, isn't that our prayer in this place that he does such an explosive work in here. It's like, God, we're just trying to keep up with how, how fast you're moving, how much life you're bringing into us. And so, so we talked about the apostles' teaching. We talked about prayer. Today we're going to continue um, on this third idea of fellowship. And they gave themselves to fellowship. Fellowship is this word koinonia. And we're going to explore that in the remainder of our time here today. And I think a, a really good question to start off with as we dive into this is, uh, what would happen if tonight at 12.03 a.m., technically that would be tomorrow morning, but either way, uh, if, if early tomorrow morning uh, an airplane was flying by, a FedEx plane carrying packages is flying by and decided to crash into our building, right? Pilot parachutes out. Nobody dies, but a, pa- uh, a, a plane crashes into our building. The whole thing burns down, right? Um, if we lost our building here, as a community, would we survive? Would we thrive? If we, had, if we were not able to uh, come together at a location or a place or a service time as a community, would we survive or would we thrive, right? And the, the question really is this, what is it that holds us together? Is what holds us together stronger than a place? Is it stronger than a service time? And these are important questions to ask because when we start reading about Jesus and the joy set before him as he endured the cross— I, I, I just have the suspicion that the joy set before him was not church buildings, and it was not just lights and sound systems, and all these things are great, and they're blessings from God. But the joy set before Jesus was what? It was the family of God. It was the koinonia. It was what's happening here. The church of Jesus Christ is not this place. It's not this location. It's the collective of hearts of men and women coming together in his name. And that's what I love about this word koinonia. It comes from this, the root word koinos, which, which means common, joint participation, communion, and partnership. We are jointly participating together uh, in this thing we call the church. I'm going to read a passage of, of when Paul wrote to the 
church in Ephesus in Ephesians 4, 15 through 16. He's talking about the body of Christ. He says this in verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I love that because this whole idea that we're a body, we're jointly participating means this, that in this room here today, yeah, you all have individual seats, but when God is looking at this collective from heaven, he does not see a bunch of mutually exclusive individuals. We are seen as one. We are one. We are jointly participating together because when we were saved into the Son, Jesus, we were saved into a family. Yeah? Come on, somebody say amen. Yeah, super, super. This is just amazing stuff. And, and, and this is why, um, you know, as a body, we're building each other up in love, which is why I love the people that God has surrounded around my family, my, around Megan and I, the, the friends and the family that we're surrounded by. Because when we're with each other, when you're with friends and you're jointly participating in Christ together, thir- certain things begin to happen. Because as we begin to share time together and we begin to pray together, then at some point I begin to share what I like to do in the world. And I begin to hear from my friends what they like to do in the world. And, and this is so important when it comes up to building ourselves up in love because at Vine Life, one of our greatest visions is we want to see families of friends who worship and pray together, dream together, and demonstrate God's goodness together. We see this happening, circles of life release all across our region where we're joined together, building each other up in love. This is what we see happening. We see this happening as an outflow of what's going on in this room, that, that those of us are coming together not to just not to just share some snacks, not to just uh, do, just do a, a small Bible study, and those things are great as well, but, but ultimately to build each other up in love, to be a friend, uh, a, a group of friends who propel each other into the dreams of God for each other's lives. And the reason this is so important, the reason why we have to talk about koinonia together is because America desperately needs this type of community. See, koinonia is different than any other social group on the planet. And it's important right now because many people are referring to the condition and the status of our society and what's happening this time in history, especially in the West, as the age of loneliness. There's articles coming out talking about how this is the age of loneliness. And there's a famine of community. And people are craving, they're intrinsically craving connection, some kind of connection. And, and, and so we have to talk about this because this craving for connection in our culture can very easily move from a God thing to an idolatrous thing, okay? And here's what I mean. I'm talking about even people in the church, all of us. There's something about in this age that we live in, in the part of the world that we live in right now, because of our craving for connection, because we are in an age of loneliness, because we are in an age of isolation, because we have to rely on technologies 
um, to hold us together and it's not natural, uh, because of that, there is such a craving inside of us that it can very easily move from a God thing to an idolatrous thing. Community can become idolatry when Jesus is not the Lord of it. Do you hear me? Community is idolatry when we come to church to find a connection instead of knowing we are connected and then living from that place towards each other. I'm going to say that again because this is so, so key. And, and I know this sounds intense um, as we're kind of delving into this, but this is, this is important. This is what God wants to remind us of this morning. Community is idolatry when we come to church to find a connection instead of knowing we are connected and then, li- and then live from that place towards each other. Because when Christ is not the fulfillment of our connection, then community can very easily move into the center of my desires and my needs. And when that happens, it becomes an idol. Anything that moves into the center of our desires and our needs can become an idol. And that's why, as a church, we have to remember what holds us together are not just these commonalities around us. What holds us together is Christ. Koinonia begins in Christ. Okay? And that's the first thing we're going to look at here. When we talk about koinonia as joint participation, koinonia as joint participation, we're going to look at three ways we're jointly participating. The first one is, is koinonia as joint participation in Christ. And this is what changes things for us. This is what separates koinonia from any other type of community on the face of the planet. Because you see, there's a lot of different types of relationships and communities that can form, okay? Um, we can uh, come into community around commonalities, meaning things that we share in common, right? And so this is easy to, to see, like at this stage in my life, because several years ago when I was single, I hung out with mostly single people. And then when I got married, I started hanging out with mostly married people. And then when we had kids, we started hanging out with people with kids and, and so on and so forth. And, and I mean, not exclusively, but you get the point. And, and some of us, we do this. We're in community with people because uh, uh, we maybe live in the same area or you have this kind of dog. I have that kind of dog. Let's get together and walk our dogs. And it's, yeah, it's kind of weird. It's a little... A little interesting, but it makes sense that we share around commonalities. But the problem with commonalities is a lot of times those things can change, right? You can move or circumstances in your life can change. I'm no longer part of that club or I'm no longer doing this anymore in that sport. And so it's a type of community that that comes to an end, right? We can come into relationship for camaraderie, meaning like if we're joining together for a cause, to either protest something, to march against something, to join to rally for something, right? There's a lot of reasons we can come together even for causes. Um, uh, but again, there, once that cause ends, once that protest ends, once that cause kind of sees, its, sees the end of its life, then is there anything that still holds together in that relationship where it was all built just around camaraderie? And then, we, you know, we have contractual relationships. We're here because you owe me this or I owe you that. And as soon as that contract is fulfilled, um, you know, we're done here. But with all that said, commonalities, camaraderies, contracts, God entered into human history and showed us a brand new way of relating to each other. And it's this idea of covenant, meaning 
that I have a love for you that is unconditional. And it's not built on, on, it's not built on uh, what we have in common necessarily. What it's built on is that the fact that we are in Christ, that Jesus said to us, um, you are worth it. You are worth it giving my life for. And we see Jesus ultimately uh, at the moment when we rejected him, when we didn't receive him, he went to the cross on our behalf. He paid an ultimate price for us to say, listen, you can reject me. We can have nothing in common here. I'm going to give my life away for you. And so he gives us a new way of relating to him and a new way of relating to each other that's not dependent on how the other person is, but it's a recognition that you're worth giving my life away for. And so koinonia uh, begins in Christ where relationships are centered around where Christ is the Lord. And, And that's the question is, is Christ the Lord of your relationships? Is, is he the Lord of your family? Is he the Lord of your marriage and your friendships? Because that is the only bond that will stand, is Christ. We're jointly held together in Christ. Our bond here together, even in this room, even though we're all just sitting here together, and we're all a part of this church together, our greatest bond is not Vine Life Church. Okay? I mean, this is the expression that we are in right now, is Vine Life Church. But that's not the greatest bond that holds us together. The greatest bond that holds us together is not the fact that we're charismatic. Even though we love to have kind of our unique things, and we love to get a little wild and a little rowdy in here and express the life of God inside of us in our worship and in our living, we love that, right? Um, uh, what holds us together is not the fact that we're non-denominational. In fact, I, I, uh, I would even vote to get rid of the word non-denominational because I don't like defining ourselves by what we're not, right? Because at the end of the day, we're not defined by what we're not. We're defined by what we are. And what we are is what? We're the church of Jesus Christ, all right? We are a Jesus church here. There is nothing more important about what's going on here than the fact that we are in Christ jointly participating in him. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says this, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 John 1.3 says this, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And so, this is important that we get this. And Paul's talking about, what John's talking about here, is that we have a union. We have a union with God by the Spirit to Jesus Christ. We have been brought into a fellowship through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So we are in a fellowship with God. We are in a union and, and, and communion with the Godhead. Isn't that a crazy idea? And in Romans 8, it says that God continually confirms this to us through the spirit of adoption. He continually reminds us, no, you belong to me. You belong to Christ, right? And so this is why koinonia is so unique. And can we just agree here together that um, the word fellowship, if you've been around the church for a while, if you've been to a few events, you know that the word fellowship, it's kind of just watered down, isn't it? I mean, you know, 
How many years have we seen flyers for church events where the, the main marketing message is the three F's? Food, fellowship, and fun, right? Show up to this group. We're going to have food, fellowship, and fun. Hey, come on this night. It's going to be great. There's going to be food, fellowship, and fun. And so fellowship, in our mind, uh, actually has d- dissolved into this watered-down message that basically means I'm going to show up. Or I get together with people sometimes and and. And sometimes we get together for fun and there's snacks on the table. And they're not even great snacks. In fact, I'm not even sure I like all the people at this thing, right? But koinonia is totally different. Because koinonia is this proclamation that what holds us together are not just these little groups to connect to. What holds us together is Christ. And then from that place, we overflow into each other. That we have been caught up into fellowship with the Godhead. Fellowship with Christ. And from that place, we get to overflow to each other. So that means that we don't come to church just looking for a connection. We get to come, and if we're in Christ, we're in the mindset of, I'm already in community, I'm already in connection. And whatever that does to you, to know that you are fully connected into the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, from that place, we overflow in love and service and humility and honoring towards the people in this place. Yeah? We have to get this. We cannot operate like the world operates. We have to come to a deeper place and a renewed understanding of fellowship or how are we going to bring this good news to the world? How can we bring good news to a culture that builds relationships that disintegrate because they're built on everything but the one who died for us? If the church in America could come back to this reality, if we could get this, that we have relationship with God, and we get together with each other, not just because we like each other, but because we're in fellowship with God. What could shake us? Losing the building? Persecution? I mean, what, what really could rattle us from that place? Because where the church is built on Christ, there it will stand. Where it is not, it will fall. Any reason that we have for being here and joined together that's not about the foundation and the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, it will fall. And this is what preserves the church from becoming an idol in and of itself. And so we jointly participate in Christ. The second thing we need to talk about is we're jointly participating in the body of Christ. We're in Christ, but we're in the body of Christ. And so Paul writes a a lot about this in the New Testament, what it means to be in the body of Christ. And What I love is we look at these letters from Paul all across the New Testament. They talk about koinonia. But it's not like they got it nailed. It's not like they got it figured out. And I I, I take comfort in the fact that when Paul's writing these letters, he's writing to groups of people uh, where there's divisions, there's upendings, there's crises, there's um, just things are just blowing up in these churches. Um, And and in a a strange way, when I read these things, it makes me feel a little bit better about my own life or about situations that I'm involved in with other friends because I know that even the early church, as they were working these things out, they were doing their best to be led by the Spirit of God. I love that. And so Paul was writing to the Romans, and here's what he says, Romans chapter 12. And he's encouraging about the body of Christ. He says this, verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, 
but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of you has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Don't you love that? that? So it's this picture that we're a body, we have different functions, and so he dynamically shines through each and every one of us in the facets of how he created us. And so there is uniqueness, but what holds us together is that we are one body. We belong to each other. Each member belongs to each other. And that's a great question. Do you feel like you belong to the people you're sitting next to in this church? Do, you, do we belong to each other in that way? One thing that I... I, I love to use as an example of this is several years ago my wife and I had the privilege of going to Rwanda um, to do some ministry uh, village makeover and a whole team from Vine Life went. It was great. And one of the guys that we met while we were there is a young man. His name is Martin. And we befriended him. And it was great because as we befriended him uh, he uh, he just found such a, a place of belonging in us. Yeah, so this is him on the screen. Um, and you'll see, I mean, that's him. Uh, you can barely see him on the screen. He's next to the white guy, and you can't see him because he's African, right? And so, but just imagine him being right there on the right side. Um, now, this is crazy. I mean, we, so I, I was telling you, my wife and I, we would pray with him. We would talk with him. We'd laugh with him. Ultimately, we gave him one of our cameras, um, uh, as a gift to him. And when we did that, he decided he was going to do something special. And so if you see right there, you'll see that he changed his name. He added a second name. And so his name is now Martin Humbrecht. And then his African name there, Biggie Giza. All right? You see that? Martin Humbrecht, Biggie Giza. Because we gave him a camera. I mean, it's just it's just a just a crazy idea that he would change his last name to ours because he felt such a connection there. But I think it's a beautiful picture of of how we should see each other. Do we see each other with like the same last name? That we're part of the same family? That we have the same father? Because he sees us as one. Do we see ourselves as one? And and where this really the rubber meets the road is on this, is as one family, we have a responsibility to each other. And that responsibility, listen to me, it's not just about connecting with each other. Okay? Now, this is where I think even the church gets community wrong because we want to create these welcoming environments and and we should continue to do that. Absolutely. We want to connect with each other. We want to see each other because that is the manifestation of God. But ultimately, what separates Koinonia from every other community is that our job as the believers is not to just connect with each other, but in my connection to you, to lead you into a deeper connection with God so that you will find fellowship and community with God. Because if we're, if we're cultivating relationships where the depth of our connection is only based on how connected we are to each other, then we're going to leave each other dry at some point in time. You may have seen this already in your life, but you will find that every one of your relationships, be it your friends, your spouse, even your church community, there's going to come a point in time, if it hasn't already happened, where you're going to feel 
like that relationship has come to its end. Where like, or maybe, maybe there's just nothing changing there. There's nothing evolving. It feels like there's nothing new there. And you're thinking, man, is this it? This is as far as this relationship's going to go. I, 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 don't, I, I want this to change. I want this to evolve. I want this just to, to blossom into something else. And it's just been like this. And so we have two options. When we come to the place where we feel like we've come to the end of that relationship, we have two options. I believe the way of the world is to say, all right, this is it. We're done here. And um, uh, I'm going to, you know, go find a new friend or a new spouse or a new community because we're done here. But I believe that Jesus gives us another way. And that way is to not walk away, but to give ourselves away to that person. Somehow you will find that when we, like Jesus, see the image of God in each other and give ourselves away, there's something in our heart that expands and grows and we see something in them in that moment that we never were able to see before and it only came as we saw them with a deeper, deeper place of sacrifice inside of us. That we're able to give ourselves away to them and somehow the relationship unlocks into something else. So when you give yourself deeper to a community, it does something more even for your own heart to see the depth of them that you never saw before. Now, I'm not saying every relationship is healthy and we have to have boundaries, all right? And we shouldn't just be a slave to each other in in that way into unhealthy relationships. But I think you see what I'm saying. We are called to be people that connect with God and then overflow to each other, right? What if all of us were showing up in this place and every time we got together, it wasn't to just try to find a connection, but to live from a connection and to overflow into each other. That I have a gift for you today. I have something I brought with me that I found in God for you today. I'm going to overflow love and joy and peace and all these beautiful things to enrich your life today. I love this. God in Christ, he gives us the resources we need to treat one another according to their worth in God. We get to treat each other according to our worth of God, having the best for one another. And so I love that Paul says, you, you know, he, he, he always talks about this. You're in Christ, and so act like it. You know, you're already in Christ. You're already one with Christ, so just act like it. It's not like we're trying to be one with Christ if we can just get to know each other better than we'll, then at some point we'll be one in Christ. No, no, no. That's not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is what Jesus accomplished for us. And on the cross, as we put our faith in him, we become in Christ. We become one in Christ. And so Paul says over and over, you're one in Christ, so act like it. You know, you're already, you're righteous, so why don't you grow up in it? You know, you're, be holy as he is holy. And, and these things of, of, we're not trying to earn these identities, but we get to live from them towards each other. Man, and if we get this, if we can get this, then this is the type of stuff that when the early church was living, it says everybody was looking in with awe. If the church is able to model these types of relationship, this type of covenant, this type of giving of ourselves away because of what Christ gave to us, then it, then it gets the attention. People turn their heads. They say, I have never seen that before. That doesn't make sense. I want some of that because it's not conditional. It's not built on commonalities. There's something deeper going on. I can tell you have found a fellowship that is unshakable.
Yeah? Okay, so then the third thing we need to talk about is joint participation in the mission of Christ. We jointly participate in Christ. We jointly participate in the body of Christ. But it doesn't end there. We jointly participate in the mission of Christ. And so Philippians 1, 4 through 6 says this, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. And so this word partnership is, that's the word koinonia. And so isn't this a cool idea that koinonia is not just with God, it's not just with each other, but it's in the mission of God on earth that we get to have koinonia. So when we look at our region and we look at our city and we are talking about these things, we get to participate with God as a people. In our koinonia, we participate with God on what he's doing on earth, what he's doing in our region. We get to be interested in what Jesus is interested in. And what is Jesus interested in? Giving his father a family of every person on this planet for all of time. Isn't that awesome? God has a desire to to bring sons and daughters into his family. And Jesus came that he could give his father a gift. And that gift would be a family of every person on this planet for all of time. And, and, And so when we jointly participate in the mission of God, that means that it goes beyond just who we're becoming, but it becomes us spurring each other on to love and to good works. And this is why house churches for us are such a big deal. And if you've ever come from another church context, you know that it's not uncommon for churches to have small groups and life groups and life teams and this and that, whatever, community groups all around. And they can be connected on a lot of different levels and and they're wonderful. But for us, there's always this kind of tension because we never want to communicate that you just show up for a connection. But you're going to come and in these groups, in these house churches, yes, there's going to be a joint participation with each other and a getting to know of each other and a building of family and friendship with each other. But it's also to extract the dreams and the vision of your life and so we can demonstrate the goodness of God with each other to our world and to our cities, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, all of that. We're together in the mission of God. And some of you, in just a couple weeks here, on February uh, 12th, on Thursday night, some of you need to join in on this house church movement. Even as leaders, we're going to have an orientation for anybody interested in leading a house church. And coming alongside to build these thriving circles of friends that have become family on mission together. And you can learn what that's about and get equipped and take steps into that. Some of you need to join a house church just to be on mission. Just to make sure that you're connected with people who are pulling you up into the purposes of God for your life. But with all that said, as we have to to wrap up here. There is a question I want to ask as I kind of leave you today. And I believe that this is something that God is going to continue to pull us in. But whether you're a part of a house church or not, I want to ask this question. When it comes to koinonia, when it comes to the people of people that you're doing life with, 
the people that you're connected with, who are the three people in your life that you are being intentional with this year? Who are three people in your life that come to mind even right now that this year as we kind of move through another year and make our, our, our way through another play, another another calendar year, another season as a church, who are three people that come to mind um, that you will commit yourself to to overflow into on a regular basis? And, and, and so some of you, even as you hear that, you're thinking, well, man, it's like, I, I need somebody to do that for me, right? And some of you are thinking, I... I'm, I'm the one who feels lonely or disconnected. I need someone to do that for me. And if that's the case, I don't want to diminish that. But listen, the question is not that. Who's doing it for you? The question is, who are you doing this for? Because I believe that if we commit to add a fellowship with God, overflow and to intentionally be in somebody else's life, to invest in them, to pull the best out of them, then God will supply that for you and bring people to do the same thing for you, Right? But who are three people that you can be intentional with? Now, this could be just one person right now, and that's fine. It could be a dozen people. That's fine too. But I believe that God wants us to move in our relationships beyond even just the how are you doing, but into deeper questions and a deeper intentionality. Say, listen, I just want you to know, I am, I, I'm praying for you. I'm here for you. I'm committed to calling you up into the best of what God has for you in your life. And that means, a lot of times it means asking different questions. Because you and I both know when you come into this place, when you see each other, it's not enough to just ask, how are you doing, right? If you ask a common question, you get a common answer. But I've been learning with the men in my life to actually ask different questions. What are the scriptures God is anchoring in, you're anchoring you in this year? How is your parenting? How is your marriage? What are you dreaming about? What are you struggling with right now? What do you want to accomplish this next season? Who are you discipling? Those types of questions, and it's not like we're trying to corner each other. I'm not trying to corner them into these fabricated answers, but I want them to know that I care about these things in their life and that I am committed to pulling them up into exactly what God has designed for them. And I think God wants to do that with you too. And all of us here, this isn't about me. This is about all of us pulling together and choosing to let God change the way we think about community, about koinonia, because I believe it's in this place as we devote ourselves in fellowship to God, to each other, to the world, there's something that changes in the middle of that. So let's stand together as we end here. And I'm going to pray over us. Let me take the hand of the person next to you. Yeah, you might not know them. That's okay. That's how we do things here. That's fine. It feels like one family though, right? All right, let's pray for each other. God, I thank you for what we have here. I thank you that even as we join hands, that right now your spirit is confirming that we are one in Christ, God. 
And I thank you that gives us the ability to be in a room with people that would normally just be complete strangers. But today we celebrate that we've been pulled together because of your spirit, God. And I just pray today as we dive into this conversation about koinonia and fellowship, Lord God, that you would pull us into deeper relationship with you, Father, that every one of us can leave this place just unbelievably aware of how much communion we have with you. But secondly, God, that you would join us together as one body to give ourselves to one another. And then, God, in this giving of ourselves to one another, I thank you, Father, that you're mobilizing us to be on mission with you for the restoration and renewal of all things, to demonstrate your goodness to a world that needs to know that you're good and needs to see your goodness reflected through the church. I thank you, Father, for what you've done here this morning. I thank you for what you're stirring stirring in our hearts. And I just pray that we um, have the courage to be obedient to everything that you're calling us into. We love you, God. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. And so next week, uh, next week we're going to dive further into what it looks like to be the family of God and what it looks like to give ourselves and overflow ourselves into each other in, in this place. And so can't wait to see you next week. Everybody have an awesome week.